people, we are all the way up and you know what it is. It's another Wednesday with your boys on The Faction. That's right, and I'm not by myself. No, no, no. I have the founder and valedictorian, the father of Jackson and Jordan, Mr. GP. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's Wednesday. It's March, March Madness, it's all sorts of craziness in the world of pro wrestling. We're on the road to WrestleMania, and yeah, it's a lot happening, and it's all good. It's all good. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. It's Wednesday, and I can hardly wait for AEW tonight. (laughs) I see what you did there. I see ah, what you did there. there. You know, it's I can't wait to talk about AEW, which we'll definitely be getting into, and a lot of other super cool things today. It should be a lot of fun. How's your week been, man? Actually, well, you've you've been gone my- for about two weeks now. So how's it going? I've been I've been gone for two weeks. I'm home now, but I continue the tour tomorrow mm-hmm. when I dawn on the shores of Alabama. Friday, I am in Detroit. Okay. Saturday, I am back. I'm in Montgomery. Uh, I'm in Dothan on Sunday, and I am taking the Queen to L.A. as I call her, A.K.A. Jill Biden Jr. Yeah. Quinetta <laughs> to uh, Los Angeles uh, for a week of, of, of vacation. So well, good for you. L.A. is an amazing place to have a vacation. That's for sure. Good lord. You know. I, I still think of L.A. and I think of getting those old PWI magazines, mm-hmm. uh, and I think about how we'd read about what was it U- Universal Wrestling yeah. Federation? Yeah, yeah. And Sting was out there. Mm-hmm. Dino Warrior was out there. Yeah, I, they always had the Venice Beach looking guys that would come from out there. Absolutely, and and for a while that's where Hogan was from, Venice Beach, California. Yeah. Old Terry's from out there. Oh, yes. Old Face Thumping Terry. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Crazy, crazy times for sure. And uh, things are cool here in the ATL. Um, no complaints. It's just been a lot of wrestling-related stuff going on. So I've been trying to keep the wrestling. Yeah, man. I've been trying to keep the people updated with these quick hits. So I hope you guys have been enjoying them. We've been hitting on a lot of different topics during the quick hit. So uh, if you've missed them, go back and check them out because uh, we're talking about a lot of stuff, which saves room for some of what we're going to talk about on the show today. So do yourself a favor. Go back. Check out our quick hits available exclusively wherever it is that you get your podcast. Search for The Faction. And uh, if you've missed previous episodes, it's a great way to stay connected. So we've got another show for you today. And uh, my brother Courtney's here. Tell him what's up for today's show. Well, welcome to episode 203. That's right. 203, we're kicking things off with your thoughts on AEW Revolution. Also, we have to discuss Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong, the Ruthless Aggression Series. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts? Also, WWE's pay-per-view event schedule and AEW's approach to their pay-per-views. And guys, something huge is dropping in the wrestling news. But before we go anywhere, it's Hey Bro. That's right, Matt Riddle's theme song. Seems to be rubbing people the wrong way backstage, but he has the right song for us today. You're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That is radio the way it is supposed to be. You know it's the Mac Militant. Coming to get it on. Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Dawn, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. And that's real talk, player. Holla, holla, holla. Bro. 
are the faction. One, two, three. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Hey, welcome back to the faction. This is Courtney, and that was Hey Bro by Matt Riddle. Uh, I got a lot to say about Matt Riddle because maybe he'll try to overthrow Goldberg at WrestleMania, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know. You think it could happen? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? He talks a lot of trash backstage, man. I mean, you know, I like the guy who talks trash backstage. You know, it's interesting. I, I haven't seen a guy as of late. Maybe you got to go back to, like, Enzo. Uh, to find somebody Ooh. who was as polarizing as Matt Riddle is, beloved by the fans, but not not so much uh, by his fellow uh, wrestlers, which is so interesting. To yeah, see. I, I I think though that Matt Riddle he he's sort of a throwback to the old wrestlers that you were. We'll get to Ruthless. Yeah, it seemed like they'd be backstage at Ruthless Aggression. They, you know, I'm gonna go for mine. Yeah, but I, I after watching Ruthless Aggression. I should remind Matt Riddle, you don't want Goldberg. No. Brock Lesnar. No. And and we'll get Brock into Lesnar, Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that uh in a little bit. But before we do that, um let's talk about uh this weekend of course, AEW Revolution, the big pay-per-view from All Elite, uh which a lot of people are talking about and uh, I want to get into just some of the specifics and fallout and things of that nature um we talked a little bit about it on quick hits earlier this week but i want to get your thoughts uh, as we look at aew revolution um what are your thoughts on uh, aew's first pay-per-view of this decade uh i was very impressed by so much i was very impressed by the production I was impressed by the way it was laid out. I was impressed by the matches. I was impressed by their ability to tell different stories and to bring us in. Uh, I, I, I'll even say this. Uh, I, I never saw Mox uh, walking away uh, as champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't until I started reading more of the, uh, I don't know, we still call it dirt sheets, mm-hmm. but some of the smart marks uh, who begin to start posting a certain band's tour schedule that I said, oh, okay, I, well, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And GB, you'd, mo- you'd know more about the tour schedule as they will probably be rehearsing for said tour in uh, an arena that you frequent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I-, I thought the entire pay-per-view was good. Uh, I know I talk about Cornette a lot up here, but I will echo Cornette and saying there's not much that Cody does this wrong. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few people like Triple H who just understands where people should be, why they should be there, and if something doesn't, doesn't work, he changes it soon. All around, that was a great pay-per-view. Yeah. I am very excited for the future of professional wrestling at this point. If we had to leave it to what we've known for the last five years, I'd be depressed about it. But I am very excited. I am so shocked how old things still get my blood pumping. Well, you know, old works, old styles. Well, here, here's the funny part, right? Like, I think there are certain things, that, and it's funny because you know, in this era where you have all of these mobile apps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, technology does all these things. Certain things still work. For instance, you know, you, you can slide in somebody's DM if you want. The reality of it is it still takes time and face-to-face conversation to really know if this person is the right person for you and to build the kind of relationships that you want to build. You can text somebody all day long, but until you're in their presence, you know, for an extended period of time, 
that's when you actually know, you know. And so when it comes to pro wrestling, yes, you know, the mediums that we access it by are different. So we're doing more streaming now than necessarily watching on television. We're watching on demand more than we're watching live. But old things still work. Still doing things that get our attention matter. And I think if, if AEW and NXT are proving anything to us, I think it proves that wrestling is most effective, get this, when they're run by wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, AEW is doing something that I hated in WCW. They're using that ramp on pay-per-views. I hated yeah. the ramp in WCW. I did too. Because I just felt like it was always in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if, if, so, if you were doing a chase around the ring, there's that big thing. Yeah. But for some reason, AEW has made it a part of what they're doing. Yeah. And I actually like it. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, though. How Cody books himself to lose. You don't like that. Yet. I, 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 I don't. Be, be, it is the same way. That I think that Dolph Ziggler is too talented to be paying it forward so soon. Yeah. These are guys who can really work. These are guys that have great mic skills that I want to see the gold around their waist. I remember how excited I was when Cody became the NWA champion. Yes. And to me, he did something to that belt that they couldn't pay money for. Right. He did something to that ROH belt that they couldn't pay money for. So for me, for the day when Cody is the AEW champion. Yeah. And he deserves it because it, we all walked into this thing thinking Jericho's going to retain the AEW title and the Bucks are going to win the tag titles right. because it makes sense in perfect per, in perfect wrestling world. Right. This is just how you book. Boy, were we wrong. Well, and I'll, and I'll go so far as to say this. Uh, speaking of that, this is actually... And Orange Cassidy can wrestle. Aren't, yeah, so we're, we got to get into that, too, because, you know, AEW. OK, let me see if I can remember my thought. I'm going to come back to Orange Cassidy. Um, going back to Cody and the Bucks and the issue there. The issue that they have is they're fighting the ghosts of territories past, the ghosts of a world class, the ghosts of Memphis Championship Wrestling, the ghosts of the AWA. When your head wrestler or the founder or owner of the promotion was also the champion, it held people down. And the problem was people didn't necessarily believe that Vern Gagne should be the world champion. They kind of believed that uh, Jerry Lawler should be the champion. They were still up in the air about Fritz Von Erich and the Von Erich boys. But here's the reality of it. In 2020... The whole reason we believe in AEW is because Cody and the Bucks and Kenny Omega have proven themselves elsewhere to be elite wrestlers. So it's believable that they should be your world champion and tag team champions. It does not feel like, oh, the bookers or the owners are trying to be champions. It doesn't feel like that with them. And I think they are working so hard to avoid that that they could be shooting themselves in the foot. Now, with, I think so. I was gonna say, with that, with that said, though, Jericho has been a reputable champion. Um, He's been I, great for it. I I was somewhat surprised 
um, that he lost to Moxley somewhat. Now, seeing Moxley as the AEW champion also makes sense to me. Like, I don't think that they could have gone wrong with this either way unless it had just ended in like a disqualification or some stupid stuff like that. Right. Um, the thing about which this, is what Connecticut would have done. Oh, easily. And 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 to me, here's what's significant about this. You take two guys who historically have been known for their work in WWE. And they have worked so hard, specifically in the last calendar year, so that you are not thinking and uh, that this is a matchup of two ex-WWE veterans. No. This is Chris Jericho, who has reinvented himself over and over and over again, who has made his own name now in New Japan and in All Elite. This is John Moxley, who is the current IWGP US heavyweight champion, who has completely made you forget that a year ago he was on the Dean Ambrose I'm on my way out tour. Same guy who was, you know, paying the dues and, um, you know, just losing every week on Raw because his contract was expiring is now the AEW world champion. There are so many amazing stories that come out of AEW revolution. Um, even the whole Orange Cassidy thing, which to your point, what I love about it is to many people, it would seem like a squash match. You know, uh, the signing of an Orange Cassidy, people would be like, well, why is AEW doing that? Here's why. Because it makes sense. Because it makes we can, a ton of sense. You know what I mean? We can get. Here's the thing. Where, and I think even New Japan, quite frankly, has figured this out. You cannot have one flavor of wrestler in your organization. You need multiple flavors. It's just kind of like this. <laughs> this is You're going to find this funny. I have a hard time eating pancakes with syrup and milk. I need eggs and bacon with it. And here's why I need eggs and bacon with it. Because the, the saltiness of the bacon, the saltiness of the eggs, cuts through the consistent sweetness of the pancakes and syrup so I can appreciate all of them the more. If I just eat oh, one of them, well you know, if I just eat one of them, eh, I don't like it. And I get tired of the pan. And I, I love pancakes. I love French toast. But by themselves, if I don't have some, some salty something with it, I'm going to be a mess. It's not going to work. And I think that's the deal here uh, that AEW has figured out, New Japan is figuring out, that you can have multiple flavors and you need the saltiness of the eggs and the bacon. And we all understand that the bacon is not the main course, but the bacon is needed to cut through all of the sweetness uh, so, so, so that we can appreciate all of the meal and not just a piece of it. And I think AEW's figured that out. It just proved to us that AEW is going to be around for a long time. Yes, they will. Uh, we all know that uh, even the Revival, their contracts are coming up soon. Mm-hmm. They've not signed again. Mm-hmm. They've been offered uh, great deals. They're not signing them. Uh, they've been in a legal battle with Vince as of late. Uh, they've both been trademarking and copywriting everything possible. Yes. Uh, I think Fist and Kicks was copywritten by the, uh, by the WWE. Mm. They said, we're going to take it first. Uh... To get better because now everybody realizes that Cody knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. And as long as Cody and the Bucks and Tony Khan can stay on the same page and no one starts feeling any type of way. Mm-hmm. And listen, we want Cody as champion one day. Yes, we do. We want to see the grandson of a plumber. And let me tell you this I know we compared it to the other guys, 
But Cody being champion makes as much sense as David Von Erich being champion. Oh, they absolutely. both are good. Absolutely. You cannot look at David and call him Lance. Right. You right. cannot look at Cody and say he sucks. Mm -hmm. So we want to see Cody as champion. We want to see the Bucks because truth be told, we like Hangman Page and Kenny Omega now. But boy, I can't wait to see them guys get into some singles action again. Yeah, and quite frankly, you know, Cody could be your champion. Kenny Omega could be your champion. All of that Hangman. would work. Hangman could be your Hangman's champion. Hangman's new evolution is Absolutely. what he's doing now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I got to shout them out because AEW has once again figured out that stories were not meant to be summed up in one week. That it's supposed to take time. That we're supposed to walk through it. They gave us many, many weeks with this whole MJF Cody situation. This has been going on since their last pay-per-view full gear back in November. You know, so it, they, they've taken their time with this. And I think WWE, who used to be a master at this, uh, is no longer doing that. Can we celebrate also very well-curated production? Yeah. Every event they get better yeah every event gets big time yeah now i don't want to hate wwe showdown production mm -hmm. was big time oh for sure for but sure we expect it now right when they go to saudi we expect it right but man aew really brought the fire and not just that but they know how to tell a story in production as well and that's one thing. Well, no, 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 Southern no. Honor knows how to tell a story well, behind the scenes. This if is we're going to be honest, this is true too. This is very, very because true. when you look on when you look on AEW, man, I see so many of your guys, yeah, walking around behind the scenes. Yeah, you guys are doing. But it's the power of partnership. It is. Uh, I, there was a story that Jamie Foxx said. He said he had a party, and Puff Daddy came to his house when he was Puff Daddy. Wow. And Puff Daddy walked in and said, oh, that's that girl from this show. That's that kid from this show. Why? Because James Fox told him, people who consider themselves B-listers are excited to be hanging around each other. Mm -hmm. There's only A-listers who want to be the only one in the room. Wow. Well, AEW is proudly wearing the honor of a B-lister. Mm -hmm. And so is Southern Honor Wrestling. And they're saying that we got a tag team to become the number one. We'll do it. Shout out AEW Revolution. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible stuff. Let's switch gears. And soon they'll be dropping those two rings, though. Oh, yes. And we're going to get into that. I promise. We're going to get into that in the next segment because that's that's an interesting discussion that, that I've been waiting to have uh, on the air. I want to talk very briefly about this. Big news dropped last night on WWE Backstage as they announced the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. Former WWE champion John Bradshaw Layfield, a.k.a. JBL, is the newest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, he's got a, a record and a resume a mile long. Intercontinental champion, U.S. champion, tag team champion, uh, the longest reigning SmackDown champion for quite some time. Um, and then, of course, an announcer. He did a, 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 an outstanding job as an announcer. What are your thoughts on JBL being inducted into the Hall of Fame? Man, it's not many people that you hear getting inducted and they have a truly compartmentalized special place. Here's the place that JBL has. JBL carried the brand when it was really at a low point. Yes. Who do you put the who do you put the who do you put the strap around? And he said, 
I'm going to reinvent. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to put my hair the regular way that it is. I'm going to be the person that you see on my book that was a Wall Street best-selling uh, book. I'm going to be the guy you see on Fox News talking about analytics and, and finances. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be that guy with the souped-up version. He went from an APA lariat throwing uh, a wrestler mm-hmm. to Mr. Big Time Texas. Yeah. To now, he doesn't even live in the United States. Right. Right. He went and moved to the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, JBL is one of those ones who was willing to reinvent himself. Now, help me out with this, GB. When he first came into WWE, he wasn't APA. He was. He was Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we've seen three wrestling evolutions mm-hmm. and four if you, if you include his commentary. Correct. So I and then he started giving us on commentary. He gave us uh, Jerry Lawler vibes because of mm-hmm. his wit. Mm-hmm. But man, you think about some of the classic uh, matches he had with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, that stuff was good, man. JBL yeah. carried the business for a long time. Well, and let's JBL doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Here, no, JB, not at all. When JBL showed up, we didn't know what to think of him. Again, he and he looked. He managed to change his look so much, where you really had to ask yourself, was this really Bradshaw the APA? He looked Wait, so incredibly different. And then on top of that. He, he becomes a singles wrestler, which we had not seen. He becomes the champion. He becomes the guy we love to hate. Um, and people don't give him the credit as, we, as we're going to talk about um, the, the, the Ruthless Aggression era. He was a champion that was birthed in the Ruthless Aggression area, that era that brought us and that ultimately became the bridge to John Cena. We of would course. not have had John Cena as WWE champion without JBL and WrestleMania 21 and the lead up to that. You know, the fact that they blew up, um, you know, the, the Spinner U.S. belt and, you know, all the things that they did. Uh, it was really incredible to watch. And then his run all the way through WrestleMania 25, where he ultimately retired, losing the Intercontinental Championship to Rey Mysterio. JBL is. And here's the thing. When we think about who should be in the Hall of Fame, JBL's name never came up because he's still somewhat present to us. That we yeah, don't think you forget how long he's been retired. Exactly, you know, he had an amazing run, and here's a guy again who you know was loyal to the soil. Did not go to WCW uh, when he certainly had ample opportunity to, and he applied his craft. Did his thing, uh, extended his career by becoming a commentator, and you you mentioned um, the likes of Jerry Lawler. I call him a cross between Jerry Lawler and Bobby the Brain Heenan. I felt like oh, he was yeah, he yeah. was witty, he was intelligent. You know, uh, we I, I liken you know some of my vocabulary, my great vocabulary came from pro wrestling when I would hear things that Gorilla Monsoon would say, or I'd hear things that Bobby Heenan would say, or Nick Bockwinkle would say, and you could add um, uh, JBL to that particular list for some of the great things that he came up with. So I I think it's well-deserved, and I spent some time on a a previous episode of Quick Hits talking about the Hall of Fame process, uh, which I just think is crazy, but JBL is one of those guys, when you look at you go, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's worthy, and so uh, congratulations to him. He'll be inducted uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, in Tampa, and so we'll be looking forward to that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
the Ruthless Aggression series. Uh, and we've got a very interesting question that we want to pose that I think is going to cause great discussion. Plus, there's a uh, series that's coming back this month that is guaranteed to have the wrestling world talking. We'll be talking about that and more. But let's go to uh, the song that all of pro wrestling seems to be singing, which included a great story about a choir and a UK singer that opened things up for Chris Jericho at AEW Revolution. Here's Jericho's band Fozzie with Judas. You've got it locked to the faction powered by Bonnerfied Radio. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark here, the world's strongest man, and you're tuned in to the faction.
faction. One, two, three. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the faction. This is Courtney, and that was Judas by Fozzie. Speaking of Judas, GB, introduce him. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so fresh from his uh, UK trip, checking out NXT UK. It's our good brother, Brandon Clack. The clock is back. Return of the clock. What's, What's up, going brother? on, everybody? It's it's good to be back. I had a few crepes. I had um, I, I, I tap dance across the pond. Yes. I said mate. I said cheers. I said bloody. <laughs> I, I had a great time. That's awesome. You know, I actually heard bloody is, isn't that like a curse word or something over there? Really? That's what I heard. I, I think I remember seeing a clip of uh, Kiara Sheard saying it in an interview, and the person was like, oh, you probably shouldn't say that. She was like, Why? Huh, whoops. Me- Man, I done cursed out about 70 people on accident. <laughs> well, me- meanwhile. Clack came back yelling at his kids saying, what the bloody? <laughs> meanwhile, uh, are calling you- Noah a bloke? Our UK brothers <laughs> and sisters have no problem saying uh, colorful words that we would call cuss words. So it's a fair trade, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, they say oh, yeah. it without blinking. And I mean, they love the Lord and everything. It's great. It's just like what kind, what kind of words? Like what kind of words, GB? Uh, words that we won't say on this broadcast, but uh, ah, yes, those Lord. kinds of words. <laughs> he tried to get you. He did try to get me. Shame on him. So there are some great series that are out that we love talking about. Uh, a, a new series on the WWE Network. Uh, certainly, when the WWE Network first began, they brought us the Monday Night War, which really chronicled uh, the Attitude Era, the birth of the Attitude Era. WCW versus WWE, that crazy time period. Um, but we've never really talked about what happened after that. And a new series on the WWE Network chronicles that uh, in some pretty detailed fashion. It's called Ruthless Aggression. And it uh, talks about the Ruthless Aggression era, uh, which began following the Attitude Era and the like. So before I get into our question of the day uh, surrounding this, I want to get your thoughts. We're like four episodes in. Uh, it's covered everything from the birth of Ruthless Aggression to John Cena, Evolution, and most recently, Brock Lesnar, the next big thing. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on the series? Let's start with you, Clack. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have so many theories that have been confirmed just by watching this series and listening to the accounts of uh, the behind-the-scenes uh, editors and writers and, and and the higher ups and so but but even just beyond that it's, it's just been great to look at uh, Hall of Fame guys in the making uh, that just had the goods coming in so I, I'm loving it the only thing I wish is I wish the network was a bit more Netflix ish mm. I wish they would just release it all at once and I wish I could download the content got you got you that would be a lot of fun That'd be a lot of fun for sure. Courtney, what did you think uh, or what have you thought so far of the Ruthless Aggression series? Okay, so I've watched it only because of you guys. Uh, I will admit, I believe I'm foggy on some of this Ruthless Aggression stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing back some great memories. Of course, I was a big evolution guy because it had flair reminded me of the horseman. But to find out that Stasiak was almost one mm-hmm. and then to see the difference. 
Triple H walks in and says, I want to make you guys big. Do you want it or not? And to see how an injury was the deciding factor on whether even Batista or Randy made it or not. Yeah. So watching that, and I had no clue about the Bubba, Bubba Ray Dudley thing. Yeah. You know, th there were a lot of interesting nuances that were brought to us uh, from that that I certainly didn't know about. And, um, you know, Mark Jindrak potentially being part of, I had heard rumors about that. It but, Mark Jindrak, my yeah, bad. No, that's cool. But Jindrak, uh, and it's so interesting to see just how, you know, people surrounding you really do have an impact. Uh, the stories that they told about how Orton was around Jindrak and then when he wasn't around Jindrak. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty powerful to watch and see. And, of course, this new episode with Brock Lesnar is actually very, very telling um, when you consider how Brock Lesnar is even now. And to think that, you know, the best one for me. Yeah. You know, his initial to think that his initial run with the company was only two years. It seemed like it was much yeah, longer than that. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's crazy. What's what what's crazy to me with the Brock Lesnar one is that he basically told them I'm done in OVW. Brock right. is the only guy I've ever seen who tells WWE what they're going to do. And they acquiesce to it. Mm -hmm. No one else. That, that happens with no one else. I agree. I totally agree. I mean, they've let other people walk and just been like, whatever. But with Brock, they're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, you know. So uh, intriguing stuff. So that leads. Well, I felt like Ultimate Warrior had that cachet also. Uh, nah, because Warrior, I remember Warrior at a SummerSlam trying to hold Vince up for half a million dollars. And after oh, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we didn't see Warrior for quite some time. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. th there yeah, was. Because remember, Brock came back and threw the belt at him a few years ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. He and did. and all Vince said was, right, 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 right. He yelled something from old man inaudible quote. <laughs> so, so let me let me pose this question. Um, I know that we have uh, those who believe that the Attitude Era certainly was the, you know, the, the greatest era. Many believe that the Golden Era was a great era, era, you know, that featured Hogan in the 80s and the like. But here's the question that I want to ask. Which was more difficult to create? And I really want us to think about this. Was it difficult, more difficult to create the Attitude Era or the Ruthless Aggression Era? interesting things to think about Ooh. with that which was more difficult to create not necessarily which was the better one but which was more difficult to create uh who wants to take a stab at this first i'll Ooh. go first i'm gonna say it was harder to create the attitude era hmm. um they were losing so badly they just so they, there were several things that were against them tv ratings were against them Storylines were against them. Money was against them. Loyalty was up in the air because you didn't know who was going to leave next. Guys were appearing on the, the competitions uh, the same night that they were on your show. The water coolers were taken out of the business to out of the building to save money. They were financially strapped. They were rating strapped. And they had no clue what they were going to do. Sean's back was screwed. I think for them to pull diamonds out of the rough like uh, Rocky Maivia and uh, uh, Stone Cold, was he the narcissist? No, that was Lex Luthor, the narcissist. No, Stone Cold, he was, he, was the, he was the ringmaster. 
the ringmaster, you know, him saying Austin 316 changed your lives. Mm -hmm. So I think creating that attitude era, you know, it was a haymaker. It was a Hail Mary. At least when they were creating this ruthless aggression, they had some funds in the bank. They had solid TV ratings and no competition. So I definitely think Attitude Era. Okay. Clack, what do you think? Which is the more difficult to create, Attitude Era or Ruthless Aggression? It's got to be Ruthless Aggression. Uh, When you're down and out, you have nothing else to lose. I'm not saying it's easy to create and stumble onto greatness, but the pressure isn't there. And when you have the kind of win that the Attitude Era is, not was, is, uh, the type of impact, generational impact that the Attitude Era made. Uh, My son is eight and he is still enamored over what Stone Cold and The Rock and Kane and Undertaker and all those guys were doing. To have to create a ruthless aggression era it's it's almost set up to lose. It's it's almost like where do you go from here? So I, I'd have to say it's the ruthless aggression era, and and that's why that era is uh, to me coming in third place in, in the the top eras of all time. But you know they they were able to pull off something and still salvage the company. Uh, it's it's interesting to me because when we talk about eras, we often skip over uh, what is deemed the new generation era. Uh, which was the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, uh, that space between the golden era of Hogan and the attitude era of Austin. Um, I think you had several challenges. Uh, Building the attitude era was coming not just off the heels of Hogan and Hulkamania, but it was also coming off the heels of a, uh, remember Vince, was uh, on trial with the federal government during the new generation era. The new generation era, they were in, uh, they weren't doing stadium shows. They weren't doing arenas anymore. They were taping Raw at Liberty High School. Um, you know, it was really crazy as they were trying to create something to combat ultimately WCW with. Um, and so, as difficult as that was, and you were certainly about to close the doors. I think it's equally, if not more difficult, to try to create something where now you are a publicly traded company as they were post-Attitude Era. Um, now you have stockholders that you have to pay attention to. Um, and WWE is built like a lot of sales organizations. You know, the sales organizations, once you hit a certain goal uh, that might have been a stretch goal, now that stretch goal becomes a normal goal. And now you're trying to stretch more. And so WWE, once they got a taste of the great money, they never said, oh, well, it's a cyclic business. This will happen every few years. No, they built and built big and built big and built big. And so now, you know, you know what's harder to try to build an organization after uh, Hogan leaves when it seems like Hogan is out of his prime or when you lose Austin and Rock in their prime? Hmm. And you're trying to create new stars. Um, That's a tough one, you know, because for as big as Hogan was, Hogan primarily was the mainstream outlet or the mainstream star for wrestling uh, in the 80s. But when you get to the Attitude Era, 
Austin and Rock are household names, as is Mankind, as is Undertaker. You know, think about it. WWE during the Attitude Era had a Super Bowl commercial. WWE during the Attitude Era had a float in the Macy's Day Parade. Like, there were things that they were doing that, you know, weren't even a remote thought in the 80s. And so, you know, and, and consider this, the 80s, they birthed WrestleMania. In the 90s, you know, they were on a whole nother level. They became a publicly traded company. So I think it's harder to maintain once you have gotten to a big place uh, to keep that going, considering you don't have the same folks. So for me, I think the ruthless uh, aggression era was harder because not just that, but they didn't have competition anymore, which is what fueled the attitude era. They needed WCW to create an awesome. Think about that. If if the outsiders had not have left, we would have never gotten Austin or The Rock because there wouldn't have been a need for it because Vince was con- Vince was convinced. How about that? That you know um, <laughs> the, the caricatures that he was creating, you know the Doink the Clowns, the Duke the Dumpster Drozies, you know the uh, Quangs. He was convinced the Bastion Boogers. He was convinced that those guys were the way to go for pro wrestling, and nothing was changing his mind until Scott Hall and Kevin Nash went to WCW and said, "We're going to be who we are, and we're going to make tons of money, and people are going to like it." So now Vince is trying to create competition from within, you know, and he's doing and he's taking stuff and throwing it up against the wall. So what do you do? All right, we split up the Dudleys. Well, who wants to see Devon as a solo competitor? No one. But you split him up, and then you make him a preacher. And then you take Batista and make him his deacon. That's Vince. You know, I mean, like, when you think about it on paper, you're like, wait, you have one of the biggest stars potentially in the company that's the deacon to Devon Dudley? Can we just say that whenever Vince, whenever Vince tries to do something churchy, it never works. It never looks good. Ever. I mean, do do y'all think Vince has been inside of a church (laughs) besides for a funeral within the last two years? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Funeral and wedding. And it it is not GB's convince the greatest thing you've ever heard in your life. When you said convince, <laughs> it's literally convince. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to see the like word it. the same again. <laughs> oh, Clark, I don't like you it. love it. It is so like convincing. <sighs> no, I don't like it's it. It's yet uh-uh. true, though. No. It's yet it, true. It describes who we are yet talking about. But I won't do that to Vince because I will pause and say XFL is doing a great job because he's not involved. Correct. So shout out Vince. Correct. Um, And so we go from that to a big announcement that we shared on our social media sites yesterday, and that is the return of the series Dark Side of the Ring. Season 2 is coming to Vice. It's premiering on March the 24th, and what a premiere, the two-hour premiere talking about the death of Chris Benoit. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with Dark Side of the Ring, uh, it's a great series that we were first introduced to a year or two ago, and uh, it had some amazing stories talking about everything from the Montreal Screwjob to Elizabeth and Randy Savage to the death of Bruiser Brody, Gino Hernandez, uh, the Von Erichs, Fabulous Moolah. They tackle the very difficult stories from a very objective place 
with some incredible personalities involved. For this season, they're going to go, f- I mean, they're going everywhere from Chris Benoit to the season finale, which will feature Owen Hart. Like, they're going all of these places. They're going even to New Jack, which made me immediately think of Co- of Courtney, which is absolutely hilarious. So uh, I want to get He your th- stabbed that man. Well, and he talked about it, too. The trailer is crazy. We've got the trailer. Uh, I believe they had that on our Facebook page. But uh, I want to know your thoughts. Are you guys what, – what stories are you most interested in uh, coming into Dark Side of the Ring Season 2? Courtney, let's start with you. Of course, I'm looking forward to Chris Benoit. Of course, uh, you know I've said I've said Benoit's name on this show more than anybody. Uh, I want Benoit in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the Road Warriors. But there's a shining star at the end that I'm actually looking forward to, which is Brawl for it all. Yeah, they're going to cover how and Brawl for it all was crazy. I heard all. I, I heard mean, all. Folks were yeah. legit knocked out during Brawl for all. Folks were getting knocked. <laughs> They were literally getting Dane Bramage and, and for Brawl real. for it all. For real. You want to talk about CTE? Brawl for it all did it. Yeah. So uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Of course, Owen Hart is probably going to have me all weepy. Yeah. All misty. So, But I'm excited about uh, watching it uh, come out. I, I, too, am like Brandon. I wish they just Netflix and drop it all in one day. <laughs> we are spoiled, I tell you. We are spoiled. We forgot about episodic TV. What in the world? Clack, man, what what are you looking forward to seeing on Dark Side of the Ring? Um, I don't know if I'm looking forward to seeing this because I'm very nervous about this. I don't know what is about to be exposed from Chris Benoit to Owen Hart. I, I'm yeah, um, yeah. There there could be some behind the scene things that WWE is going to have to answer for mm-hmm. uh, or their silence will answer for them already. Uh, th- this could be as unsettling as it was when uh, Hulk Hogan had to go on Arsenio Hall show early 90s and explain his accusations to steroids and trying to convince people that he is being falsely accused. I am nervous. I don't know if I like this or not. I'm gonna watch. Yeah, nervous is a good word, but I'm nervous. Ner- nervous, nervous is, a, is very, a good word. It's a very good word. When you saw the clip and you see Chris Jericho, that's raw emotion. Well, and not just that, but I mean, look at the people that they grabbed for this: Jim Ross, uh, Vince Russo, Cornette. Like they grabbed some heavy hitters on this they, one. And guys who know. They were uh, there. What we missed, I, 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 I could be wrong. Bruce Pritchard was very heavy in the Geno version. He was heavy that in Bruce's that. He was, also, he was also heavy in the Macho Man one, too. And so I know Geno's back with WWE. I mean, Bruce, not Geno, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bruce is back heavy. I don't know if we'll see him. But for me, on the last season, the Geno one was the one that was so scathing to me. That Gino could have possibly had mafia ties. Well, it, it, this is what was interesting. There's that what one. And, drugs. And I I purposely yesterday started re-watching some of them. Um, and I watched sure. uh, the Bruiser Brody one. The Bruiser Brody right. one. Woo. Man, Tony Atlas said, I've been waiting. He told that man, he, and GB, hold whatever you got to give Tony Atlas. This man is a national treasure for this. He said, can I please tell him I 
can, can I please tell my story? I waited for 30 years to tell my story. Can I please tell it? Lord, just roll the claim. Somebody let me tell it. I, yeah. They, I, he told it. I was hoping Somebody, you would say his accent, but yes. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, that's how he said it, GB. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Can I please tell my story? I got died. I've waited 30 years to tell my story. Oh, God. And so I think that when you think, stop laughing. Guys, I'm not trying to be funny. I love Tony Atlas. I wish he'd come on the show. No. Anybody out there knows Tony Atlas? Wait a minute. You wouldn't let Tony Atlas come on the show? Now you know good and well. Jeez. That's, yo, that's ain't having that. Jackson's looking at you like, you have unforgiveness, Dad. Oh, whatever. Tony <laughs> Atlas? Dad. If we had Tony Atlas, we'd have to have your brother on the show. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, to know wow. and a know. With no. that, with, Wait, 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 but that need to be an edited it show. It would need to be a set full of seven second delay. Let me just say, it's just uh, it, it would be a lot. I'll tell you one story that I hope to cover in season three. I don't know how sacred it is. Oh, okay, go ahead. But there's something in the Samoan wrestling lineage. Those guys have died young. If they ever cover that stuff. I'm interested to see what comes out, but I don't know if that's the mafia sacred sacred ground, though. You know, I don't know. I'll tell you one story that I'm looking forward to them covering in this season two, which I think has potential to be as salacious from what I've heard as the Gino Hernandez one, and that's the Dino Bravo story. I was oh. just about to ask you about that, GB. He was murdered. He was murdered, and I've heard a number of stories. About how this Dino Bravo thing went down, so I'm really. What I think I didn't. I didn't know he was murdered. Mm -hmm. They're covering Jimmy Snook. They're covering Jimmy Snook in this one too. So you know they're going to address you know the the murder accusations. So they are the thing about Dark Side of the Ring is they are going to the places that have been previously forbidden, and it is the thing that us wrestling fans have always wanted to know but couldn't ask because no one would answer it. I almost wonder if this is going to be like if you guys watched uh, Who Killed Malcolm X on Netflix and uh, when they get to the guy who they believe killed him and they started asking people in the neighborhood, everybody in the neighborhood was like, can you just let sleeping dogs lie? Like, leave it alone. Mm. So I I just wonder. Because let me tell you, the Benoit thing is super interesting to me because from my understanding, Benoit lived in Fayetteville. Fayetteville is right down the street from where I am. So I am of, I've got all kinds of interest in this situation. Um, and if you had a chance to watch the uh, David Benoit uh, interview that he did on YouTube, uh, that's also very telling as well. So uh, be, be on the lookout. And my hope, I really I really do hope we can make contact with the folks from Dark Side of the Ring because I'd love to have them on the show talk about this man yeah um so uh hopefully we'll we'll be able to shout out vice yes shout out to vice march the 24th for bringing this out march the 24th is the debut we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to uh give our prediction for elimination chamber and we're going to talk about the approach to pay-per-view um from aew and wwe what are the differences which one works which one doesn't and we'll have our raw recap as well but here is cfo with the theme song for leo rush i came to collect it's the faction powered by bonnerfied radio this is the stroke daddy ricky starks and you know i only do it one way and that's big you're not listening to the faction 
man You know just to beat a man Oh, what the fuck, cause I'm stuck with the ball When I pull up and beat a man Watching everybody getting up and I just let it roll Sleeping on him, Welcome back to the Faction Powered by Bonafide Radio. You were just listening to I Came to Collect. GB, take it from here. All right. So it's been an interesting thing. And you know what's fun? You guys, uh, as in our audience, don't necessarily know all the fun things that happen in our group chat. But uh, we have all kinds of discussions. And some of them, I think, are always great to bring uh, to the forefront. And one of the things that we've been talking about has just been, you know, differences between AEW and WWE. And I want to pose this question to you guys. AEW, of course, did their first pay-per-view of the year uh, earlier, uh, just, just this past weekend, rather, uh, AEW Revolution. It's only their fourth pay-per-view, uh, which, by the way, the early buy rate numbers are saying that they had a 10% increase in buy rate uh, from this one versus their last pay-per-view full gear, which certainly sounds like a win. 
um, for AEW. But the question I want to ask is this. AEW's next pay-per-view is scheduled for May. It's double or nothing. And it kind of feels like AEW has landed on four pay-per-views throughout the year. Double or nothing, all out, uh, full gear, and now revolution. WWE, on the other hand, has more than 12. Uh, You figure 12 plus the two Saudi ones and throw another one in. So you're talking about 15 uh, at least pay-per-views a year. And in a situation like what we've got right now, where last Thursday or a week or... Yeah, last Thursday we had uh, the Super Showdown. This coming Sunday, we've got Elimination Chamber uh, leading into WrestleMania. Here's the question. Which approach to pay-per-view events makes the most sense for the consumer? Is it these uh, every-month type of pay-per-views from WWE Or is it what AEW is doing with a a pay-per-view perhaps every three months? Once a quarter or so. What do you think? I think there's no clear answer. Because truth be told, I can say that it's AEW and I only want four. uh, Because I think it gives me whatever it gives me. But the truth be told, I'd watch an NXT TakeOver pay-per-view every month if they gave me one. It is the quality of the product to me that determines if I'm going to watch. The tension with WWE is that the quality of the product has been so low on pay-per-views, it's felt like a glorified Raw or SmackDown. Nothing special has happened. I'm watching endings of matches that you could have given me on TV and that you used to give me on TV. Also, pay-per-views are no longer ending feuds. They used to be the thing where you knew what was going to come. If we brawled for a while, then we'd have a grudge match, and then we have all these things, and then we have a hell on a cell to finish it. And we're seeing things on these WWE pay-per-views that are just stupid. So I think there is no real recipe for it besides quality wrestling. I do think AEW is being smart. I don't think AEW will stay at four. They will finally land on a number where the people will say that's overkill. But they're smart to stay at four. And if I were running WWE and I weren't going to increase the wrestling product, I'd break us down to about six. Hmm. Okay. Clack, what do you think in terms of approach to pay-per-views? Which makes more sense, the monthly deal, the quarterly deal, or something in between? Unfortunately, I agree with Courtney Beard. Um, I think (laughs) the product is so low. We are at such an all-time state of emergency talent deficit Uh, uh, in the overall product of today's wrestler that has to do with his mic work, that has to do with his storytelling, with even a tad bit of the in-ring work. Uh, some of it is just incredibly sloppy. But, but anyways, I, I think unfortunately because the, the, the what you're presenting on television is so low and the writing is so subpar, I think that uh, to put yourself out there so much just exposes your deficits. But I do think for AEW... Uh, because you know you're you're just getting off the ground and and you know your heavyweight champion doesn't even have a chest or, or and doesn't even like wrestling and you know the guy that dropped the belt struggles as well you know so I I, I get it you got to spread it out as you try to develop and then WWE you have to pause give us old ruthless aggression remind us of Attitude Era the real winner is the consumer on the network so that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> the delusion you live with. Right. It's like you left your brain across the pond. And, and is committed to. 
I, I love his commitment to it. I tell you, like, 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 like the commitment. We were talking about AEW in a group chat the other day, and he just randomly says they ought to sell to WWE. What's wrong with you? I, I, because I want the catalog on the network, but I will say if I'm delusional, so I I could find more more people in general that would agree with me than they would agree with you all that the product is in trouble because of the lack of talent i but, guarantee but you in a wrestling city called memphis i could find them and you all couldn't but here but here's the deal first of all a wrestling city like memphis calls jerry lawler the king so you you, you i don't know that i call i, I them... think gb they're basing that off of his wrestling tenure but, i think but with that said, it's because he ruled Memphis First, wrestling, and he by no means is an amazing tactician or a yeah, great wrestler. I don't sure. think of quality fans when I think of Memphis. Oh, I think of oh. food-eating fans. Oh. Memphis knows wings; they don't know wrestling. Oh, see, I'm I'm not going there. You know, you I'm know what I would like to do? I would like to challenge you to to a Kirk Cameron style walk up to individuals and ask them. What relationship do they have with wrestling? What type of relationship? Who do you think of when you think of wrestling? And I guarantee, I bet you real life money, cash app style, that we would get more people to reference wrestlers from the Attitude Era than we would a ricochet. Now, that's unfair. That That's unfair. Clack. You are one of the best communicators in the country. But if I go up to somebody and ask them who's one of the best, they're going to give me an old fuddy-duddy because that's who they know and that's been tucked inside of their memory while you are actually hot right now. Now, so that this is where I disagree you with made, you, Courtney. No, you go up to today's Christian consumer who enjoys a different style of gene and you are going to find the Mike Todd Stephen Furtick well, fanatics. But but wait, but wait, but wait. You just said But they are Christian, you, you, you said a couple of things and and you know when you talk about the Christian consumer, these are the same Christian consumers who don't know the names of artists. But bear and barely know the cor- and barely know the correct names of songs, but they're their favorite songs. So I I, I don't Uh-oh. put a lot of stock in their ability to be able to act accurately name a Mike Todd, a Stephen Furtick, they'll just say the preacher, or I just heard this on social media. Um, and so, with that said, well, if to we me, na- GB, that's naming him. That's no, naming him. No, 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 no. No, GB. It, no. If somebody says, "Hey, what what wrestling do you identify with?" Uh, the guy that did the middle fingers. That's naming Stone Cold. Well, but here's the deal. Like, so. I, Part of the reason why I would love to do this challenge is because we're all in uh, wrestling-rich cities. Cities that Even have Courtney? rich... San Antonio? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. it was He's great. just being a hater, G. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's just being a hater. Now, what, what would be interesting to me to see is this. We know that all three of these cities uh, house specific wrestling territories over time. So I'd expect a more Texas-based answer from San Antonio, a more Atlanta-based answer here, and a more Memphis-based answer there. The question will be if we get some sort of cross-pollination that says, 
hey, I, you know, I dig this era or I dig this wrestler or whatever. I think that's going to be a fun. I think we should do the experiment. And I think it would be fun to see um, what happens. We have to ask the same questions. We can't lead anybody. But I think it'd be fun to see to see if where we are in 2020 um, is still territory based or not. I think that'd be interesting to see. You, you talk All about right. rep your squad. I'll throw a grenade in here. Grenade. Which one of our states meant the most to the history of wrestling? Tennessee or Georgia? Ooh, that's uh, that's a that's a that's a no brainer. That's an episode in and of itself. I don't think I don't think it's a no brainer as much as you think. I don't think it's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. That's a hard question. What, what I'll, I'll let you guys ponder it. I'll let you guys ponder it, but it's a no-brainer. You can what's, think on so it. So what's, what's your What's answer your quick then? answer? Clearly Memphis, Tennessee. You're out of your mind. Tennessee You're out of your means mind. more to the wrestling history. You're out of your mind. But wait, I, remember, Tennessee encompasses Smoky Mountain. Uh, 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 this uh, city uh, means more to wrestling than the whole state of Texas. Oh, no. Crazy. Okay. People, people know the... Dusty Rhodes, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Von Erich, you've lost your rabbit mind. <laughs> you, do you know how many times I hear Memphis mentioned on the network? On just random shows, ride along with the New Day. They mention, I'm telling you, it's How many everywhere. stories are about Texas? How many stories Texas? are about Memphis? And and Texas are we matters. and are we really going to ignore the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta, which is birthed not one but two national slash worldwide promotions? Now, Atlanta's going to rival Memphis, but Texas Wait, is said in the rearview mirror. Atlanta's going to rival Memphis. Man, y'all crazy! If, if y'all think that for, Texas isn't leading, okay. So let me put it this way: Memphis, Memphis. Lost your mind. Memphis, the Memphis promotion, Jerry Jarrett bought out World Class to become USWA. They bought out the Texas, big Texas promotion to become the USWA, which is a big deal. Wait, the US, they bought out who? They bought out the Texas promotion. The, the, oh, okay, the, U, the U, USWA was a big deal. Of course, USWA, World Class, AWA, they had their whole situation. But Georgia Championship Wrestling was one of the foundational places for Jim Crockett promotions, which became the home base for WTBS, the big World Championship Wrestling show, which ultimately morphed into Ted Turner buying this, taking this into what we now know as WCW. WCW would at one point overtake the WWE. WCW would be responsible for what we now know as the Attitude Era, bringing a great challenge to Vince McMahon. Uh, let's not forget that Vince McMahon at one point bought Georgia Championship Wrestling. I will never and- forgive him for July 14th, 1984. Black Saturday. Screw you, Vince! <laughs> so, so you GB, had- can we ask Mark Henry? Well, you know what? Maybe we should. We'll Let's try to get Mark. Mark. We're trying to Mark get Mark Henry. Henry on what the does show. he know? Oh wait! Oh my God! What does he know? Look, listen, listen. Mark Henry is a wrestling historian, a WWE Don't Hall make of him Famer. Drive to your house. Listen, I'm not listening. Oh what you man! Will not Mark do. Henry showed up at my door. <laughs> there will not. There will not be crosswords <laughs> about Mark Henry here. But here's what we'll do. Let's go ahead and take some time uh, to switch over very quickly to the Raw recap and find out what happened on Monday Night Raw. Courtney, take it away. 
WWE Raw was live and in full effect from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Things kicked off when Brock Lesnar came down and found himself kicked in the face, not once, not twice, but Old Testament thrice by Drew McIntyre. And the show was off to the races. The Street Profits became the new Raw Tag Team Champions of the World when they defeated Seth Rollins and Murphy. 24-7 champion Riddick Moss defeated Ricochet. Aleister Black defeated Carl Anderson. And then Luke Gallows, but AJ Styles defeated him uh, at the end. It kept going Liv Morgan defeated Ruby Riot. Eric Rowan revealed what was in the cage of his uh, of his thing that he carries to No Way Jose. Shayna Baszler defeated WWE Women's Champion Champion Kyrie Sane, and the show ended when Randy Orton confronted Beth Phoenix. It didn't just confront her, guys. He RKO'd somebody's wife. I wish he tried that with Jill Biden. He get dealt with. It. He tried to RKO her, but guys, thick puppy. What do you think about Raw? Clack, your thoughts. Talent deficit. Talent <laughs> deficit. <laughs> the, the best part of Raw was watching him RKO someone connected to the Attitude Era. She's not connected or, to the Attitude Era. She's married to Edge. Um, Edge was really Edge. Edge really became Edge. No, he became he Edge during the Ruthless Aggression Era. CGB, I don't believe anybody can become their prominent self without a developmental self. And he was developed in the Attitude Era to be oh great in another era. The God. Attitude Era developed him. He's so, a baby you know, I, in the Attitude Era. A baby. Hey, but but he was developed there. Oh, and we no. only care about Beth because she's connected to Edge. That's not true. We only care is, about Beth, Beth because oh, she's connected to the Attitude Era. God, that's... Oh, oh, so my whole point is, Raw's only spark watching the RKO, the Attitude Era. That's the only spark. We are at a talent deficit. I, I Can I tell you, there were years, consecutive years, GB, where I did not miss Monday Night Raw. Do you want to know how I got caught up with Monday Night Raw on Monday? Social media. I was depressed that I had to watch Raw highlights. Like from the 90s is rolling over in his grave. He is upset with 20 Brandon. Well, here's what I'll say. I'll say that I thought Raw was decent. It wasn't anything to write home about. Here's why. Guys, you cannot do what AEW is doing. <sighs> you. It's winning. Why are you trying to beat them? Those stupid crowd shots, they're trying to buy us in. You mean to tell me that Booty Saxton is calling the end? And because he's quiet, along with the other two thingamajigs and Jerry Lawler, because they're quiet, that I'm supposed to be sober about the moment and lean into it? It is stupid. I wish they'd really understand how to put a wrestling show together. Well, let's let's start with this, right? Uh, let's start with location, location, location. 
okay you have to know it reminds me of when they were talking about the attitude or not the attitude era the the ruthless aggression uh piece on brock lesnar and they were not understanding how in 2004 the dirt sheets got out to the new york city crowd that uh goldberg was leaving and brock was leaving and so the crowd completely just crapped on them well you forgot that new york city is one of the most intelligent wrestling communities in the world of course they were aware of this stuff so with that said let's not forget that it was brooklyn new york that was the place where SummerSlam was where they thought they were going to turn becky lynch heel and becky lynch became a face by completely lambasting charlotte flair that was in Brooklyn, all of the crazy things where they think it's going to go left and it goes right happens in Brooklyn because you have a different kind of fan. So if you were looking for a sympathetic approach to Beth Phoenix and Edge, you don't do it in a place that randomly cheers bad guys. Location matters. The fact that they didn't figure this out says that they don't understand their audience. That's what it says. Now, the Street Profits winning the tag titles there, that makes sense because that arena was the same place that held four NXT takeovers. That makes sense. But taking somebody like Beth Phoenix and putting her in a scenario to get RKO'd and expecting people to not cheer for Randy Orton in Brooklyn says they don't know their audience. And that speaks loud and clear. It was very loud and clear they were trying to outlaw much so bullcrap as one commentator always says. Uh, they, they just didn't know what they were doing. Well, and here's the other thing. And, and they're going to find out tonight when it comes on what to do. Well, and but here's and here's what AEW that has done that is different than what WWE has done. AEW has figured out who their audience is. They have appealed who? that who is their audience. Their audience. No, I'm just backing you up. I'm yeah, an no. Go ahead. Okay. They have figured out who their audience is, and they appeal to them. So now they don't go and rent out, you know, uh, fifteen thousand seat basketball stadiums. They go to the college to a six or seven thousand seat stadium because you realize I'm going after a hardcore fan. That's where the hardcore fans are. I can get enough of them to drive from a two-hour radius to come to the city to see AEW for the first time. We're going to have a consistent product from city to city, and we can manage the same emotions from city to city. And they've been smart in figuring that out. I don't understand. Well, yes, I do. I was starting to say I don't understand why WWE hasn't figured it out, but I have because cash is king. And what happened when Cash became king is they stopped becoming hungry. So they stopped doing the research. They stopped paying attention to what the crowds are telling you. They stopped paying attention to what city they're in. They know that when you're in a certain city, certain things are going to happen. You know when you're in Canada, they call it Bizarro Land. The only thing they pay attention to now is the day after WrestleMania. And it took them years to pay attention to that. And now that doesn't have the same feeling that it used to because now they've tried to market it. Let it be what it is. And they don't know how to handle these moments. That's what frightens me. Because it's like in 20 years, they forgot how to handle competition. And now that they've got all the cash, 
They're like WCW, where people are like, you, you can't pay me enough to stay. You know it's a bad scenario in the wrestling business when you can't pay somebody enough to stay. Why do we always have to go to WCW? Well, no, because it's it's because it's your history. Yeah. That's why. If, if if WCW had not laid out that groundwork, then WWE'd be an anomaly now. But now all they're doing is literally repeating the mistakes of the past, which is absolutely crazy to see. WWE won't be around in twenty years. <clears throat> oh, that's a that's yeah, well. a that's a heavy thing. That's not heavy. In, y'all. That's not heavy. That's ignorant. It'll absolutely to, be around. To episode 3047. No, no. Vince won't be around in 20 years. And because oh, of that. Of course not. He doesn't beca- have 20 years left. And because of you that. Don't think WWE, Vince has 20 years left? Vince is already 75. 20 years makes him 95. I'm sorry. I don't I don't see it happening. You guys think Flair will go to 95? I don't even want Probably. to. Probably. I don't know. Flair, Flair has seen a witch doctor. And Flair has some type of voodoo curse that's only affecting his teeth and his neck. He's going to be around. <laughs> Did y'all see how Ric Flair embarrassed us at the Staples Center? No, he screaming didn't. Screaming and howling at LeBron. No. I was so embarrassed. Listen. I no, Le- Le- LeBron and died. I said die right now. Oh, my God. He sighed on LeBron. Flair is just happy to get a check LeBron wherever so he can get it. He can just he's just happy Flair's to get, a check get that money. If he can get it at the hip hop awards, he'll get it. I hate to use this term. Flair's holding out for the money. Well he's showing up where whoever pays the check. He is. Now Flair's riding Space Mountain himself. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and will offer himself up. If there's a, it's terrible. that's terrible. All right, let's get out of here. We were going to do a prediction about We've done the elimina- elimination chamber, but we'll we'll cover that during quick hits or something. And also remember, Southern Honor Wrestling guys, SHW 18 is this Friday, and our episode of SHW Experience breaking down the entire card will hit tonight at eight. PM. Are you ready, GB? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Are like, you ready? I'm. I'm. Listen, I have a goal and a mission. And it's just to seek and destroy. Because for me, it's like, yo, this is this is it. I un- I you know what? Let me say this. And I, I know we gotta go, but it's the first time that I can remember being present knowing that what I'm about to do is gonna have a major impact. Like, yep. I've done things before where I didn't know what the impact was going to be and I couldn't see it and I didn't have enough foresight to see it because, you know, I could only see this. I could. O- this is the one thing where I know every opportunity I get, I got to crush it. Everyone. Every single one. And um, I feel very present in it. And so, you know, I, I'm looking forward to Friday. Friday is going to be like a great release for me. And um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Shalom. Go kill it, brother. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. Get that. So remember, guys, you can check us out. Uh, SHW Experience premieres tonight on Facebook uh, on the Southern Honor Wrestling page. And, of course, uh, SHW 18 happens this Friday at the Action Building. If you're able to get there, that would be amazing. I'd love to see you. If you can't get there, you can always watch it on IWTV next week, independentwrestling.tv. SHW is the code to get five days free. Here's how you can reach out to us by way of social media. Courtney. 
I am Courtney Beard on Instagram, at C Major Beard on Twitter, Courtney Beard on Facebook. Welcome back, Judas. (laughs) (laughs) Clack. Brandon J. Clack on everything. Told you the J stands for Judas. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And uh, you can certainly check me out at Bonnerfied. And, of course, follow us at The Faction Show. Subscribe to our podcast where you can check out our uh, fairly regular quick hits. We'll have another one hopefully tomorrow and Friday to round out the week. And, again, Southern Honor Wrestling. In San Antonio, he's called Hootis. Oh gosh. Until- I'm probably called a whole lot of things in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the mouth of the turn. Oh my gosh. Until <laughs> next time, it's Courtney, it's Clack, it's GB. Oh, and we'll have to tell you in the future because Courtney and I are heading to the Crockett Cup. For the NWA, oh, we, will see, keep, see. we will keep you guys posted on that uh, as we get closer to that. But uh, April is going to be a super fun month. So, till then, it's Courtney, it's Clack, it's GB. We are the faction. 